Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning, Canvas Church. Excited to be here with you this morning. If I don't look familiar and you've come maybe to visit within the past eight or nine weeks, we, uh, my husband and I are on the pastoral team, but we're usually up at North County. And I'm actually usually uh, with the toddlers every week. And so I just feel so excited to be with the grown-ups this morning at Central. I feel so, so grown up, you know. Uh, I get to wear some heels and, yeah, and worship with you all. So it's so fun. Um, those videos were hilarious. I actually had that happen last night. Um, the tree fell. Thankfully, it didn't fall on anybody. But if you're a parent in this room, you have this idea of what setting up the tree is going to be like and decorating and the kids are going to be a part of this process and it's going to be perfect and you're going to get this beautiful picture of them, you know, putting the ornament on the, you know, the star on the top and um, so we got out the boxes to decorate our tree yesterday and um, I've never heard so many crunching ornaments underneath my children's feet. It was like, ah, all the time and I don't know if we have any ornaments left they just... They were just getting stuffed on all over the place, but um, uh, it's really funny because my daughter is turning nine next week, and she um, also has Christmas, so she has her birthday, and then she has Christmas, and she's a gifts person, like that's her love language, I don't know, maybe that's all kids, but um, she, uh, so she made a list of, you know, her birthday list and Christmas list and what she wants, and She's a very, like, detail-oriented person. She's a firstborn, so many of you who have a firstborn, you can understand, like, this, this, they're very, like, analytical and responsible, and so um, she came in, and she had a full-on color-coordinated Venn diagram for her (laughs) Christmas list. In one circle was the thing she really wants, and then the other circle was the thing she does not want, just to make that clear. And then the circles that were overlapping were the things that maybe she kind of wants. Like, it's just hilarious. Her personality just cracks me up. Um, (laughs) So I told her we will try our best. But I get to talk to you about a gift today. Uh, We're talking about thriving through the holidays. And we don't want to just survive. We don't want to just scrape by. We don't just want to keep our head above water during the season. We want to thrive. And so I get to talk to you about how to thrive by the free gift of grace. How many of you are thankful for the free gift of God's grace this morning? I am so thankful for his grace. If you have your Bibles with me, go ahead and flip to Ephesians chapter 2. If not, no worries, it's going to be up on the screen. And uh, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Say, it's not my doing. It is the gift of God. Say, gift. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your incredible, amazing grace. God, I thank you for your presence in this place. And God, I thank you for the opportunity that we get, Lord, to learn more about you, learn more about your grace. And God, I pray that it wouldn't just be head knowledge this morning, but God, I pray that your grace would infiltrate our hearts this morning and that we would walk out of this place different. Lord, that we would walk out of this place in awe of you. And God, I pray that through the holiday season, Lord God, that we would be examples, Lord, living, walking examples of the grace of God, Lord, being able to receive it and give grace to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, When I was about 14 years old, uh, I had some dysfunction at home and some trouble at home. And uh, and by the grace of God, I had this wonderful girlfriend named Brittany. And she uh, 
uh, basically would have me over all the time. And I just, she, her home became my second home, and I was over there all the time. And, and then when things got, you know, to a head where it was no longer safe for me to stay at my home, um, Brittany's mom was actually a registered foster parent. And so it was just a huge open door for me to just come and live with them during this time. Her dad was a police officer. It was just the grace of God just had an open door for me to be with this family. And so I'm 14, and I I think that this is probably going to last maybe a few weeks. Like, they are going to see, like, that I'm not really that good at cleaning up after myself. They're going to see all my flaws and all my failures. They're going to see that, you know, I am the last one to always get the joke, okay? Anybody else a little bit blonde-ish in here? I was, I was, I was... Uh, book smart, but not street smart. I was always the last one to, to get the joke. Failed my driving test way too many times, but the written one I was fine with. So anyway, now you're all not going to want to drive with me. <laughs> so my husband's being quiet. He's a good man. <laughs> so anyway, um, and my, my friend Brittany, she was the one who was really the street smarts one and not as book smart. So we always joke that we wanted to trade each other. Um, But anyway, so uh, anyway, the holiday season came around. I'm still living with this family. They had invited me to their sports functions. They invited me into their family pictures. I felt so uncomfortable. I thought they are going to regret these family pictures because they're going to look back on it and think, oh, that girl, she stayed with us for like three weeks and we got sick of her. You know, and I was just so convinced this family was not going to love me for the long haul. Like I just thought there's no way that this is going to last, you know. And so sure enough, Christmas time came around. And it's, they had just decorated for Christmas. They had the Christmas tree up, and they, all the music was playing. There were lights everywhere. And I'm sitting on their couch in their living room, and I look up, and I see dad, mom, and then all the sisters and brothers, biological, and then there's my name on a stocking next to all of the, the sisters and brothers in the family. And I lost it. I mean, I just started bawling. And I went to the bathroom. It was one of those ugly cries, you know, snotty cries. you got to clean up after yourself after that one. And I just thought, there is no way that, that, that they're going to keep this stocking up for me. Do they really understand, like, what they're doing? I mean, that surely this is not going to last. There's no way that this family could love me and accept me as unconditionally as they have. I, I, I'll give it six more weeks. And, and this is how hard it was for me to wrap my brain around. I thought, because they knew I was book smart, that, that they thought that maybe someday I was going to be rich and I was going to be able to pay them back for their generosity. I mean, this is how much I could not understand. Like, it doesn't even make sense, right? And so, uh, sure enough, the next year, same thing. There was a stocking up for me at that Christmas. And then the next year, and the next year, and the next year. And then I'm in college at this point, and they, they call me their, their daughter, and they have pictures up of me in their home and in their office. And, and I, I was just like, I, I don't know if I could call them mom or, or sister or brother or anything like that because I, I'm still convinced at this point, like, this is not going to last. There's no way. And so finally, it's college. They have given me no reason to believe that they're going to walk out of my life or, or give up on me. And I get a call from Brittany, and she said, you know, we, we call you our sister. We introduce you to everybody as our sister. Mom introduces you as her, her daughter. We brag about you. We have pictures of, uh, you know, of you everywhere. And, and we just think it's maybe time that you started to trust us. 
that we're not going anywhere. And with that, we want you to start calling us sister too and brother and mom. And, and if you're comfortable with that, we think that it's time that, that you start trusting us. And I thought, you know what, she's right. They've given me no reason to think otherwise. And so uh, the next time I called Jenna, it was her name, Brittany's mom's name, I, I said, uh, hi, mom. And, I, you know, I thought that she was going to, you know, make some reaction. And she just continued on the conversation as if she knew one day I'd call her mom too. And, and, and eventually I would introduce them as sister and brother. And, and still it's been over 20 years. And, and by God's grace, they hang a stocking up for me every single Christmas and it has never come down. Now it says the Millers because we've got a family of five that they have accepted into their family. <laughs> so, um, but every time I think about God's grace, I think about this family. And I think about the unconditional love that they gave me. And I think about how much I didn't deserve that and how much I did nothing to earn it. I did nothing to work for it. I, I wasn't really like very good at making my bed and I lived with Brittany who ironed her sheets. I mean, I, I was like, I had nothing to offer these people in return. And whenever I think about the grace of God, I think about that stocking and I think about how unconditionally loved and accepted I was and how I felt like I had nothing to give in return. But isn't that the picture of grace? Isn't that the picture that it's not something that we can work our way into and try harder and earn enough to be able to say, okay, now you're invited into the family of God? That no matter if we did, if we, if we maybe sinned once or sinned a thousand times yesterday, that, that God's grace is still available to us. Isn't that the amazing thing that it's really not about how hard we work or how hard we try? Isn't that what differentiates Christianity from every other religion, right? That it's this free gift of grace and it's not about how many times we bow down or how much, how hard we work, right? And although we want to work hard for God because it's, an, it's an, a response of I want to give to you and I want to please you and I want to obey you. But that's not why we get accepted in, right? It's because of how good we are. And so in order to thrive through the holidays, we must understand what grace is and what grace does. Grace, what grace is, is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Let me read that again. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. And what grace does is grace divinely enables believers to live a new life in Christ. That's why we can't say, oh, because of God's grace, I can just go on sinning. I can do whatever I want. Paul talked about this, right, in Corinthians. I'm not going to go on sinning. No, because grace enables me to live a victorious life in Christ. It isn't just this free gift that's given to me. It's grace and it's kindness and it's favor. But grace actually enables me to live up to the standard that God requires of me. That's the difference between the law, right? And then he comes in, Jesus comes in in the New Testament and says, yeah, I know you're not supposed to commit adultery, but now I want you not even to look at a woman lustfully. But the difference there is I'm going to give you this grace that you couldn't ever accomplish this on your own strength. So you're going to need my help. You're going to need my grace, and I'm going to enable you to live up to this standard that, that I call you to. So I don't know about you, but that's good news because there's a lot of things I just simply can't do on my own strength. How many of you else need the grace of God on your life? Amen. How many of you like the bad news first or the good news first? Good news people? Okay, bad news people. Okay, everybody wants the bad news first. Let me give you the bad news first. Okay, the bad news is that we're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. 
as the bad news. The Bible says that our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags. Like your best day, you're feeding the homeless, leading people to Christ. Like your, your efforts of like, God, look how good I am. It's like filthy rags, okay? So, so that's the bad news. We're more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Okay, ready for the good news? The good news is yet at the very same time, we are more loved and more accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. So you're way worse off than you thought you were. Sorry to bring you the bad news. <laughs> you thought you were doing really good. I thought I was doing really good. You're worse off than you thought you were, okay? We're more sinful and more in need of Jesus than we thought we were. The good news is you are more loved than you could ever imagine. You are more accepted than you can either fathom. The love of God, it has no depth, no height. Nothing could separate you from the love of God. There's nothing you could do to make him love you any less. That the Bible says that, that no height, nor depth, no angel, nor demon, no principality, no power, no, nothing in all creation could ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Because if I'm in need, I'm so in need and so sinful, and even in my own efforts of righteousness, when I think I'm so good, that if I'm, I'm far off, far worse than I thought I was, that oh, I'm so grateful God made a way. I'm so grateful for his grace. I'm so grateful that I'm still loved and I'm still accepted. And even if I did nothing to earn it or deserve it or work for it, that the stocking is still up with my name on it, that God's love isn't being taken down, that he's not saying that I'm going to go ahead and take my love away because you didn't measure up enough or you didn't work hard enough. or you. Come on, is anybody else thankful the stocking is still up and it has your name on it? Come on. <laughs> I think that God has amazing things in store for you and for me. I think that his plans for us are far beyond what we could ever wrap our minds around. I think they are um, amazing. I think that God wants to take us places that we could never go on our own strength. But the problem is I think some of us in this room, maybe we're not ready to, to, to go to the places that God wants us to go yet because we're still caught up in thinking that maybe it's about us. And if he took us there, we might be so prideful to think that we could take the credit for it. If we don't have a proper understanding of grace and God takes us to those amazing places, how dare we stand in that place and say, let me give you the seven-step formula to how I got here. If we don't have a proper understanding of the grace of God, we won't be able to stand and, and confidently say it was him. It was all him. All the glory and the honor and the credit goes to him. Wow, you're such a good mom. It was him. Wow, that sermon was amazing. It, it was just him. Wow, all those people came to your community group and people's bodies were being healed. It was him. I just got out of the way. It was just his grace. It was just him, if we don't have an understanding of his grace, we're going to take the credit for things that we never deserve the credit for. We have to understand how good his grace really is. Amen? Amen. Are you having fun this morning? Okay, good. Um, J uh, Jeffrey Bridges says, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good 
that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Let me read that again. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. No matter what, we need God's grace. No matter if you've struggled with pride or if you've struggled with condemnation, it doesn't really matter. I think we need to get the focus off ourselves and look up at that mantle and realize that it is the grace of God and that stocking still up with our name on it because of his grace and not because of what we did do or what we didn't do. Amen? I just said, yes, I want to be a part of the family. That's all I did. That, that's all I can get the credit for. I just said, yes, I want to live with you. I want to be a part of the family. I want to be adopted in, into this. And, and, and that's our response to his grace, right, is, God, yes, I, I want to be a part. I want to join the family. Amen? Yes. Number two, in order to thrive through the holidays, we must let go of the idol of perfection. I don't know about you, but I'm a, oh, do I have any type A, type A personalities? I like checklists so much, this is a confession, that I will put something on my checklist that I've already done. You do it too? Okay, come on, honest people. Just so that I can have the joy of knowing I checked that off. I accomplished that. And when my husband gets home from work and he asks me what I did all day, come on, stay home moms. You can look at that list and you can show him that list. Half the things were already done before you put them on that list. But there is check marks. Come on, A-type. A we, we, you know what I'm talking about. So I get really caught up in, like, all of the work that I have to do or all the things, you know, around Christmas time, the people I have to buy gifts for. And I, I love giving the, the most thoughtful gifts. I like not just a gift, but I have to think about it. What's their favorite color? What did I hear them maybe say? And so I get this list, and I want everything to be perfect. And, and I, I was praying the other day, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke this to me, and I want to pass it along to you. He said, this holiday season, focus less on your un, unfinished work and more on Christ's finished work. Focus more, focus less on your unfinished work and more on Christ's finished work. They say that the difference between uh, reality and expectation is conflict. So our expectation of what our holiday season is going to look like, what people are going to act like, or what that, you know, Christmas tree card, postcard moment where they're, you know, on the tree, you know, kind of like the videos, what that's going to look like, the difference between our expectation and then the reality of what actually happens, that difference is conflict. Come on, married people, you know what I'm talking about. I expected that when I married him, he was going to take out the trash every day, and then you get married, and then the difference between reality and expectation sets in, right? The difference is conflict. And so... <laughs> We went to um, this workshop at the art conference, and we got to sit and listen to the people who were kind of high up in Pixar, and we felt so privileged because you couldn't even record the session and proprietary issues, and we were just like on the edge of our seats, couldn't wait to hear what they had to say, and, and it was all wonderful stuff. But one of the things John Eric said was that, uh, get rid of the word excellence in your vocabulary. He said, we don't use that word at Pixar, because what is excellence? Like, my definition of excellence is going to be different than the next person's definition of excellence. And so he said at Pixar, what we strive for is not excellence or perfection. We strive for improvement. So we ask ourselves, is it better than it was yesterday? 
Or is it better than it was last week? Here's what Paul says about this. It says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. That was in 1 Corinthians 15.10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I worked harder than anybody else. I laid down my life. I sacrificed. But yet he still gives God, even for his hard work, he still gives God the glory and the credit. He says, but yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Are we striving for this lofty and unattainable perfection? It's like the pot at the end of the rainbow, you know? Like everyone's definition of what that looks like is different. It doesn't really exist. Are we striving for improvement in Christ, knowing that his grace enables us to improve and to be better and to, and, and, and to lay down our lives more, whether it's being a better wife or a better mom or, or getting better. It is the grace of God that enables us to improve and, and to become more like Christ increasingly. Amen? Romans 11:6 says, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be graced. Grace would no longer be graced if it was about our works. The adult perfection says you're not enough and you're not doing enough. I don't know about you, but that, that brings a sense of hopelessness to it, doesn't it? You're not enough and you're not doing enough. The, uh, grace says you're accepted and empowered. You're accepted and empowered. Which one makes you want to serve God more? <laughs> When we have an understanding of God's grace in our life, it's like, it's like trying to get my husband to do something by criticizing him or by encouraging him, right? Some people are real motivated by, like, that tough love. But most of us, we really respond to, hey, you are looking good today. Have you been working out? That makes you want to work out, right? You're like, no, but I'm going to. I'm going to be in the gym tomorrow because, you know, something's going on. I mean, I don't know about you. But that's grace. It's like God is so good, and he's done so much for me, and he empowers me. His grace is on me. It's within me. And therefore, that makes me want to try even more. That makes me want to devote myself to God even more, not so that I can get the credit, but just in response to his loving kindness and all that he's done for me. I'm just excited to serve God and to please him even more. Amen? Number three, we must be willing to extend grace to others. Luke 7, 47, it talks about this woman, and she was a sinful woman, and God had for, Jesus had forgiven her of her sins, and she's taking this expensive jar of perfume, and she's taking her hair, and she's washing the feet of Jesus with her hair. And all the Pharisees are looking, and does, does he know the, the, the kind of sinful woman that's, that's washing his feet, that's touching him? How dare he, you know, let that sinful woman touch him? And what he says to them is, therefore I tell you her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. I think for those of us who truly understand the grace of God on our life, I think we're so much more willing to extend it to other people, aren't we? That, that we understand how much we've been forgiven and how much God has given to us and how much he's done for us. And out of that overflow, we, are, uh, we feel compelled to give it out to other people more freely, don't we? It's those who just don't think that they're in need of the doctor, right? That, that they don't really think, you know, I don't really need it that much. They're less likely to give that out to other people as well. 
Joe was telling me this story that I completely butchered at North County last week. Um, I think that I exaggerated it without even realizing it. But she met this woman at the park and was quite mean to her. I don't know why mean people follow her around. She has some crazy stories. But she was telling me um, that this woman was was kind of criticizing her motherhood. And and as a mom, I mean, you know, I know the mommy bears come out, the mommy bear claws come out. And and she was, you know, kind of just irritated in her spirit a little bit, but then she just thought, you know what, I'm going to be over-the-top nice to this woman. I'm going to be so kind that she, like, she's just going to be cornered with kindness. And so she just started complimenting this woman's son and just telling her how beautiful her son was, and she was just killed the woman with kindness and with grace. And then it ends up that this woman was actually uh, opened up about some struggles she was having and how much she was hurting. And I think had Joe just said, you know what, that was so rude. I'm just going to walk away from this woman. She would have missed out on this opportunity to have this woman who was hurting open up to her and just say, hey, here's what's really going on in my life. And I imagine how much that we might be missing out on opportunities like that because we're scared to extend grace to other people. I know the holidays are rough. I know you get to be around some relatives that might rub you the wrong way. But could it be that maybe if we extended grace to them, that on the other side of that would be a ministry opportunity? That on the other side of that, we might be able to reach them with the grace of God and the loving kindness of God could lead them to repentance. Through your life, through your, the grace that you show them and your kindness that you show them. Heal them with kindness this season. A lot of times we get caught up in that, well, they don't deserve it. <laughs> what they did to me, they don't deserve it. And we forget that we also don't deserve it. We also don't deserve God's grace. We tend to want the other person to be a finished product, while we give ourselves grace to evolve. That was too easy. Okay, take credit for that one. We tend to want the other person to be a finished product while we give ourselves grace to evolve. Oh, it's just a bad day for me. I'm not always like that. And we give ourselves grace sometimes, right? Let's give that same grace. Let's assume the best about each other this holiday season. I'm going to assume the best. It guards my heart when I assume the best. Because I don't need to overanalyze. I don't need to overthink. I just assume the best and then move on from there. There's this uh, man named Rick Hoyt, and his dad's name was Dick Hoyt. And when Rick was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, and he suffered so much oxygen deprivation that uh, he was unable to walk or speak So when he was born. So later in life, uh, they, his parents only had $5,000, and they worked with this organization, and they just said, well, he can move his head a little bit, and he can move his eyes a little bit, So maybe we could teach him the alphabet and maybe uh, we could teach him how to type out things just by using his head and using his eyes. And so they got together and they made this machine so that that he could communicate. So he communicated with this machine for the first time and he typed out, go Bruins. So they were a sports family. And then after a while, we have one Bruins fan fan in the house, I guess. Um, But then eventually he told his father... Um, through this typing of his little eyes and his head, uh, that he wanted to run marathons. And obviously he can't walk or run. So his father thought of a way. Eventually he said, I want to run triathlons. And so his father built this wheelchair specially made for him 
so that he could both bike and he could, uh, he could push him on the wheelchair while running these marathons and these triathlons. So I want to show you a picture of Grace for a moment. the sun where to stand in the morning and who told the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till to say that we pushed and we were the ones pulling. But let's not fool ourselves into thinking that we were anything more than the guy in the chair, right? Who moved our eyes and said, God, I want to join this race. Will you push me? Will you pull me? Will you take me along? So I don't know about you, but I don't want, I'm not the hero of my own story. God is the hero. God gets all the credit and the glory. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And if your band wants to come up. Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for your amazing grace. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are the hero of our stories. You are the ones, Lord, pushing us and pulling us along. 
even when we like to take the credit for it. We think that we were the ones that maybe did the work. Or I thank you, God, for your amazing grace. God, let us not ever take your grace for granted. Pray that your grace, Lord, would not just be something we understand in our heads, but I pray that your grace would be something that we understand in our hearts. And I pray that this holiday season, God, that we would freely extend grace to other people. Lord, that we'd be able to see beyond the natural of what we think might be going on. We wouldn't get so defensive with people. But God, that we would know and understand how much grace we've been shown how much we ourselves don't deserve it. And therefore, we can so freely extend it to others. I pray that we would get a revelation today of how deep and how wide your love is for us. And I pray, God, that we would walk out of here changed and different. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.